Dwayne, you can get through college half-assed. Richard, you can get through life half-assed. But I'll guarantee you boys one thing. Sure as hell, I'll guarantee you this. You cannot win half-assed. How do I win this ball game? What is up, everybody? We're finally here. We're back. We are doing Hoop Cinema. Yeah. Right now. Right now. Right now. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody, whether you're in the backseat of a car, getting dragged to some family thing you don't want to go to, or, you know, just, you know, chilling, man. Fitting that the first episode of Hoop Cinema we did on my birthday. Yeah. And this one is released on your birthday. That's week. true. It is yeah. true. Yeah. So so we're talking blue chips today. Yeah. Uh, legitimately one of the greatest basketball movies of all time. Literally one of my favorite movies of all time. Like favorite ever? Not like this one particular, but it's on the list. It's on the list. Okay. Would you say it's like a top 50 movie for you? I would say it's probably, if we're doing the AP poll, it'd be in the top 25. Top 25? It's a mid-major okay. that, can, you know, in the tournament, could go up against the powerhouse and make some run. Sure, sure. Okay, well, I, that, that's, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and say this. This is one of the closest to home type basketball movies that's ever been released. Um, it's one that a lot of people have forgotten about. Yeah. Like, people don't talk enough about blue chips. When we, like, announced we were going to do the show back in, like, earlier this year, and people were like, you should do this movie, this movie, this movie. No one said blue chips. Nobody said blue chips. And we were just looking at each other like, we're doing blue chips. Yeah, this is this is going to happen. So, um, I asked this at the beginning of every one of our episodes like this. Where where were you when, uh, when this movie came out, and where were you when you first saw blue chips? So... When the movie first came out, I don't really remember the release. Okay. I was pretty young. Yeah. Um, but Same. I, I do remember, you know, like we've talked about many times on our shows, I very much love the 1990s Orlando Magic, specifically 93 through 96. Yes. Um, and mm, I was told like by some kids at school, like, yeah, there's this movie that Shaq and Penny were in together. And I was like. Oh, was it like the best of the Orlando Magic? You know, because they used to do those like home videos every yeah. day. And it was like, no, it's this movie where they like they played like these college kids. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I asked my dad about it. And I was like, dad, what is this movie? And he was like, yeah, it's Blue Chips. And it's like, it's it's a movie. And like I'm like, what? Why, why have I not heard about this until yeah. today? So I was about probably about seven or eight when I saw it for the first time. I think I watched it in like the summer of 95. Okay. So it was right when the magic went to the finals. Okay. So, so you saw it, you saw it pretty early then. Yeah. I'd say I probably saw it. I'd say I probably saw it in 96. I probably saw it after you and I, and I bought it. I bought a used VHS copy of it from movie warehouse. Nice. So that was the first, that was the first, this was a, this was a, uh, one of those, those videos that you know they sold after they they played it you know they rented it out a million times so yeah. pre-owned um so um this is a great movie um it is the first film of Shaquille O'Neal can we say yeah this is a great movie don't look at rotten tomatoes to tell you otherwise yeah i would not honestly yeah and that's and that's kind of a 
one of the weird things about this film is I think it's actually a good movie. I do too. Like, I think it's a good movie. I think it's well acted. I think it's an accurate portrayal of collegiate sports in general. Mm-hmm. I think um, a lot of the a lot of the characters are in here that are, are kind of based on other th- characters, obviously. Uh, Nick Nolte, you know. Bobby Knight, who eventually makes a cameo at the end of the movie. Well, yeah, he followed Bobby Knight he, around. He followed, yeah, we'll get to that too. But, but this is a movie that's actually, it's an actual good movie. Mm-hmm. Do not believe the the reviews for this. I mean, I think the Rotten Tomatoes is terrible for it's like it. Thirty-seven. Yeah, it's just really, really, really low, and it's a six point two on IMDb, which is not great. Yeah, and this is a you know this is a true sports drama. Like I said, this was this was kind of the the real coming out party for Shaquille O'Neal in terms of like a Hollywood feature film yeah. for him because we were just coming off of his rookie season. The um, film was shot, started shooting while he was in college. Oh, Penny, oh I did. Penny so, was with Memphis when they but were it but it was released after his yeah. His, his, his yeah so. Um, this film stars Nick Nolte. Yes. And I should my, so so my wife and me watched this last night. We did a rewatch last night and she kind of half-ass watched it. And at the end of the film I legitimately looked at her while she was, you know, half watching and half, you know, surfing the internet. I said, "I think Nick Nolte should have been nominated for an Academy Award for this film." I'm serious. And what'd she say? She goes, "Whatever." <laughs> <laughs> As I would expect your wife to do. Yeah, like she just she wasn't into it at all. But and I and it specifically made her watch the opening scene, but she just she just couldn't get into it. But it's the like the the only yeah it, the best part of the movie is the opening scene. The opening. Well, you can't say the best part of the really? movie. You, you oh god, it's awesome. It's I mean in terms of like Nick Nolte's acting, yeah, it's the best. But the you, you're not gonna say. If you're saying it's the best, that means the rest of the movie's whatever. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that at all. I just okay. think that like the that first scene. When there is like just going oh, nuts, and it's he phenomenal. And comes back. And it's phenomenal. It's one of the best acting jobs Nick Nolte has ever done. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I I legitimately say this. I really think he should have been nominated for an Academy Award for this film. Like I think he is so so good, and they wrote this part for him. Yeah. So the part of Pete Bell was specifically written for Nick Nolte. He was the first and only choice for this role. Um, now this is a film. If you go back and you look and you watch, you know, there's a lot of the gameplay footage in this film is great. Yes, because they let them play. They, they actually let them play. play. They actually let them play. And the gameplay footage is really good, but you're going to see a lot of like incoming NBA players and coaches that you recognize from today in this film. I mean, most of which are retired. I mean, all the players in the game or in the in the movie are retired, but you know, a lot of the coaches are still coaching. It's just, it's an interesting, it was interesting that they were able to get the cast that they were able to get. Yeah. And, uh, we'll kind of go over that, but, um, I don't know. In terms of, of a basketball movie, would you say this is, I mean, we, there's, we're going to, we're going to have a lot more other movies, obviously on hoop cinema, but in terms of a basketball movie, this is like in terms of actually like being about the game of basketball. This is like a nine out of ten. Yeah, I think so. I think um, really because this movie, the end, the be all end all is a struggling program trying to win. It's a coach, like you said, in Pete Bell, who's trying to overcome three consecutive, two consecutive losing seasons. It's a guy that's dealing with the fact that his and his wife are not divorced, but they're separated, and he like the opening like the the basketball game afterwards he tries to go to her house and she tells me he can't stay and 
Um, it's a guy that tries to do things the right way and then realizes that the right way is not doing what it has to, what it should. So he's realizing he's, if he wants to win, he's got to bend the rules. And I mean, we've seen this before, you know, like, you know, I can tell you every program the last 20 years that's gotten busted for something stupid. Oh yeah. This happens all the time. I mean, it's, and it's, it's just as relevant now as it's ever been. I want to say a funny story. Um, so the ringer did a rewatchables on blue chips. Okay. Um, a couple years ago and Mark Titus was on it. Yeah. And so one of the big storylines in this movie is Tony with the point shaving. Yes. So, Apparently, Mark Titus said every year the NCAA sends someone to schools to talk to every school about point shaving and why you shouldn't do it. In 2000, whatever, he was Greg Oden, 06. Yeah. They were going to schools in 06 saying don't point shave. Yeah. So it's kind of funny because, you know, that's like one of the big, that's one of the like minor storylines that really plays a part in this whole film. Yes. It is. It is. So let's talk about the other cast of characters. So obviously we got Nick Nolte who plays the coach of of um, Western Western University, which yeah. is so generic sounding. I, I almost ordered a Butch McRae jersey because oh. they're like twenty bucks on the internet. I, I I know straight from China. Yep, straight from China. Shout out China. Yeah. So Can we say that. Um, I guess. <laughs> Why are you asking me? <laughs> I don't know it's your show. So Pete Boat Pete Bell is the coach of Western Uni- the Western University Dolphins, located in Los Angeles, and he's under a lot of pressure during this season because he's he's going into he's he's led a very successful program for many years. He has two championships. Yeah. And I believe what do they call the NCSA? Something so, Yeah, something like that. And then he's won, I think, like four other other, you know, conference titles or something yeah. like that. So he's He's been a very successful coach. Now, he is an abrasive coach who is 100% based around Bobby Knight. And Straight like up. you said, he Nick Nolte actually shadowed Bobby Knight for like a couple months. For a couple months to see how he uh, you know, how he acted and everything. And he's great. Awesome. And the and in the, the opening scene where he's given the the crappy pep talk to his team, and then going out and actually coaching the second half of a really a basketball game where you know they're not going to win, and then losing it, and then kicking the ball into has the stands. a great ejection has the, one of the best ejection. one of the best and there's there's a close up in that where he's just like shaking and he's in the ref's face and then finally he grabs the ball kicks it into the stands and then they throw him out of the game yeah they throw him out of the game so. Um, he is under a tremendous amount of pressure to to continue this this winning tradition at this made up college, <laughs> and which is UCLA. Let's just call it. What it, it is it is one hundred percent UCLA exactly. So, but it wasn't filmed at UCLA though. No, it was actually filmed in a few different places. Yeah, it was. So, um, but the big thing is he wants to. They're looking forward. They they finish out the last two games of the season and. He has his first losing season at Western, and it is evident that he is going to need to go after blue chip athletes. You skipped a huge part. Okay. The first press conference. The first press conference. When he talks to Ed O'Neill for the first time. He does. So Ed O'Neill is in this movie in a... Plays Ed. He plays Ed. Ed, yeah. And this was kind of a shocking role for him at the time because he was coming off of Married with Children and Dutch. So, you know, he was always known for his his comedic yeah, type type 
roles, and he plays a straight, straight sports, straight writer, sports writer. Yeah, not only that, but like, uh, like a good journalist who really digs, who really wants to, you know, and he's and he likes to press the buttons of these coaches. Yeah, because in the first press conference, he says something about he's like, you know, like that point shaving incident a couple years ago. Yeah, and that's when Pete Bell goes. How long are you going to keep this bullshit up, Ed? This bullshit you created. Yes. Yeah, so he's saying it's fake news. So he thinks. So, so, you know, and and Nick Nolte is completely in the dark about this yeah. until later in the movie. Um, but he, but I would say that Ed O'Neill is kind of the antagonist of this entire film, basically, because without Ed O'Neill, they get away with everything. Yeah. They get away with everything. Like he, but but you don't really want at o'neill to succeed right. at all like they kind of like they kind of push him off as kind of swarmy but really he's the good guy here yeah like honestly he's the good guy he's the guys on cnn currently that are you know that are that are you know trying to like actually read off real news to people and people are going no so so he needs to go after these blue chick these blue chip prospects and that are that are secretly being paid, you know, at other schools. And he goes after the best. The yep. best of the best. And they have decided to go after a few guys. Mr. Butch McRae, played by Anthony Penny Hardaway, uh-huh. in his first and I think maybe only film role was yep. he yeah i don't think he did yep. any other movies after this just as awesome nike commercials just as off uh, ricky rowe played by uh former collegiate athlete uh matt nover former indiana hoosier and he was an indiana hoosier yeah probably more known for that than anything and of course uh later on a uh, mr neon badeau played by of course shaquille o'neal diesel diesel steel so here's the Kazam. thing so there's a lot of funny things about this movie. So he goes after these 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 players. Now Butch McRae, all these players are in different situations. Mm-hmm. Butch McRae, played by Anthony Hardaway, uh, is I think one of five in his house. His mother is a single mother. Um, she doesn't have a job. I think it's kind of hinted that they might be on like welfare or something, and they're living kind of in a small apartment um, in a not so great area of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And she basically takes Nick Nolte aside, Mr. Pete Bell, and says, you know, there are some things I'm going to want if you're going to have Butch McRae go across, go from Chicago to California to play for you. She says she wants a new job, which I kind of respect. She wants a job. Yeah. Like, she's not, she's not looking for an absolute free handout. She just, she wants a job. She wants a house with a front yard for her kids to play in it, you know? These are things – these are just common things that people want. Yeah. So I don't think she's completely, you know, out of out of touch for wanting you – know, she's got to try. Yeah, it leads to try. like – I know we'll get to it later. It leads to such a heartbreaking scene later in the movie. Yes. Yes, it does. Yeah. So, so you know, and, and Nick Nolte's like, no, we don't do that. We don't – we don't – we can't do that. So – and then after he goes after them – after, after, you know, and, he, and he's charming. This is one thing about Nick Nolte, about all of these recruiting visits he makes to these, these, you know, he kind of lies and kind of bends, you know, the truth a little bit about things, but he doesn't commit to doing anything illegal. Yeah. At this point. 
Um, but he goes after Mr. Ricky Rowe. But he doesn't just go after Ricky Rowe. He first has to make a trip to French Lick, Indiana, to meet Larry Bird. Which, are we going to, do we, is this a fun fact one? Can we use fun fact fun one Fun fact one. That Larry Bird is playing basketball by himself on the court that he shot the Converse Weapon commercial with Magic Johnson. At his actual house. Yep. Nick Nolte literally drives down the driveway that ruined Larry Bird's career. Yep. The one that he poured himself. But anyways, Larry Bird was making a lot of appearances in in, uh, 90s basketball films at the time. And he basically says, you know, he's like, do you know Ricky Rowe? And he said, yeah. He's like, well, can you call him for me? He puts in a good word. And then he makes the trip out to a farm to meet Mr. Ricky Rowe. Which was also like one of my favorite running gags in the movie. Every different recruit he talks to, he's a different religion. He's a different religion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, everything's everything's different. Um, now, I will say this. Let's go back to M- Butch McRae before we go into the Ricky Rowe stuff. Yeah. I, one thing I will say. So he goes to uh, Butch McRae's school, who <laughs> Mr. Iron Eagle himself, Louis Gossett Jr., is, is running the school yes. and basically warns him about his mother and says she's a powerful piece of work but he does get her he, he gets that that contact in there for him and kind of puts in a good word for pete bell for them to actually even have that conversation but i thought it was kind of funny and lewis gossett jr is not even credited in the film i know he's not even credited mr iron eagle himself is not it, it's incredible to me that he's not i love that scene too because you see jim Beheim before he got really old I don't even know who Jim Beheim is. Head coach of Syracuse. Okay. So him and then Jared Tarkanian, who was like the big time coach at UNLV for all those years. Was he one of those coaches? Yeah. Okay. He actually says something. He's like, Tark, what do you think, man? He's like, and like that's when he like walks away real quick from yeah. the rest of the coaches yeah. and watch by himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so uh, also that scene with Penny Hardaway being in that school where there's like kids like hanging over the balcony watching him play and he's just like putting on such a show. He it's so, so great. crazy because like, so... I'm trying to think like how we can how we compare this. So like Zion when Zion was in high school, it was like that. Yeah. Um, Imani Bates, who's like three years away from playing college basketball, he is already has people like that as games. He was just on the cover of Sports Illustrated. That's crazy. To He's me. 15. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. So going back over to Ricky Rowe. So Ricky Rowe lives on an actual farm, and. Uh, this is kind of an interesting situation. So he's in a completely different situation from 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 Butch. Um, he also wants to go to a college, but his dad is the one who wants stuff. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily Ricky at this point. It's not a job. And it's not a job. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, what's interesting about this, um, is the dad approaches, the dad approaches, uh, Pete Bell about this. About you know getting you know getting something in return of me giving you my son for for a basketball squad, and he says he's got a farm all tractor in the back that's just really old, and he wants something new. And he says the other schools that have come by have already offered this to him. So great. Now here's the most fun fact about that. Did you recognize the dad? No. Okay, so the dad is played by Jim Beaver. Jim Beaver is the same individual who gives Walter White all of his weapons at oh the end God. of Breaking Bad. Oh, okay. Yeah, he is the same guy. This was the, one of one of the first roles I'd ever seen him in. And when I saw him in Breaking Bad, I remember thinking, where have I seen this guy before? 
freaking blue chips. So he's the one who who kind of arms uh, Walter White at the end of uh, at the end of the Breaking Bad we episodes. Don't say spoiler, it's been out like eight years, people. It's been out eight years. So well, I didn't really say anything spoiler. I just said that he he hooked him up with some weapons, you yeah. know, because you know that's what it is. So, um, and he said, you know, I don't care if you have to bend the rules because they're not my rules. Yeah, which I think which is, is a good a line. line. It's a great line. He's like, it's not my rules. And then of course that's you know, and he's like, are you Baptist? And he's like, are you you know. He's like, well, yeah. And he's like, he's like, are you Southern Baptist? And he goes, no, we don't think very much of Southern Baptist. So every place he goes, he has to change his change the religion. Yeah, he says he's First Baptist. First Baptist, yeah. exactly. So, so after that, he goes out. We got to set this scene up. We got to set the scene up. Let's do it. All right. So Slick comes comes in, and Slick says, "I've got this center for you." He grew eight inches in two years. He didn't play in high school. He was in the military. And they're at like a sports bar when, he's, when he, yeah, when he he's runs like, into him. He's like, he was in the military and he played a little juco, which time frame age-wise doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So they go to this little hole-in-the-wall gym where they're playing with metal nets. Yes. And we see none other than Neon Bodo. Yes. And we're talking a completely in his prime Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> so skinny. So fast. Like, just, like, absolute freak athlete. And he's just dunking on these guys that they have set up who are a foot shorter than him. Which is also my favorite line in the film. What is it? When he's, when Slick goes, he got a 520 on his SAT to when P-Bell goes, you get 400 points for spelling your name. He goes, that's it. He spelled his name incorrectly. Yeah, yeah. That's what he messed up on his name. So, so... And the scene where he goes to, he goes, he goes, he's like, we're going to go. He's like, he's like, you want to go meet him? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, where's he at? And he goes, Algiers. <laughs> and you literally think that they're going to go to another country. Yeah. And it's in Louisiana. But the way that he gets him there is the most hilarious part. And the play CCR. He takes a boat. Yep. Yeah. They play, they play, uh, is it, is it Fortunate Son or something? Yeah. 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 Okay. That's one of the underrated parts yeah, of this movie. Yeah. So. Any kind of boat on, like, Louisiana waters, you just have to play that, which is hilarious because Creedence Clearwater Revival were always from L.A. They're the biggest poser band ever. They were never in the swamps, those guys. I love CCR, but I just – they are such posers. <laughs> they are. They didn't grow up on a bayou. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's like it's like Kid Rock, you know. He didn't grow up, you know, in a in a – he didn't grow up in a trailer. He grew up in a nice estate. You know, it's like, just be real, guys. Anyways, I'm getting back to this. So, <laughs> I hate Kid Rock. Me too. <laughs> so much. Me too. So, but anyways, um, so he goes So he goes on a boat. He's going through a field. He has to cross some railroad tracks. He has to, and the whole, the thing that's so great is they make this, like, it's like a town event. All of the little kids in the neighborhood are just running to this gym yeah. to see, to it's see cool him. Setup. It's a cool setup. And he goes to this, you know, sweaty gym in, in Louisiana. And of course he's the only white dude there. And, and he, he lays an eye on this guy. Now this guy has had no real professional basketball training but he's pete bell is already sold in this street ball game that he's watching him play just dunking on people like a complete maniac but he doesn't really want to talk to pete bell but he gets him to and he's able to actually finagle you know an actual meeting with with this guy this neon bardo and and drag him back thanks a lot slick thanks a lot slick slick and slick's never really seen again the rest of the nope. movie like he matter just, of fact he's not seen at all the rest of the movie like that's it like he just leads him to shaquille o'neal and that's kind of it um 
So, at this point in the film, he's got his three guys. If he's able to get these three athletes, he's going to be able to... He's going to be able to... Uh, put together a decent program for the following year because he's also got his his sort of star player tony who mm-hmm. we'll get to later tony's kind of the star player who's had some problems um over the years he's flunking tv i think his girlfriend may have gotten pregnant at some points yeah and, which is also a very big line, funny which line is a in the film. big line with that and um you know so someone get tony a tutor for tv and prophylactic and pro and prophylactics exactly so so and Tony's coming back. So it's like you got those four. You got these three new stars. These studs coming in, and you still have Tony coming back. You can have a decent program the next year. This so, is where we meet Happy. And this is where we meet Happy, played by the late great J.T. Walsh, who was also the bad guy in Pleasantville. Probably, actually, one of the more relevant movies of our time right now. I would highly recommend everyone who is living in 2019 to watch Pleasantville right now because it's it's shockingly relevant right now. But anyways, J.T. Walsh, one of the all-time great bad guys, uh, Mr. Happy, he is so swarmy in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, way more than Ed O'Neill. I mean, he's just... He's just he's just a complete asshole this entire time. He's walking around with porn stars on both arms. You know, he's got kind of a nice tan. He's always he's got a nice car. His house is huge. His house, he's got a big foyer, big big pool. This guy's got everything going on. And Happy's what they call a friend of the program. Yes, he tells them how much it will cost to get the players to sign. An education kid that the football team is paying. He's paying all the football team's players, and they're all graduating. Yes, because that's one of the big things Pete Bell preaches. Is I want. My, he's like, I want my boys to graduate. All of all of our players graduate. That's the big thing. So now, while I'm saying this, we need to go back to another major plot point that I have totally skipped over, and I shouldn't. I should feel really bad about this. But after the loss of the first game, after the big speech, and he loses a. Totally disgruntled Nick Nolte, just completely just broken, goes to see his ex-wife. Yes. Played by Mary McDonnell from, uh, from uh, best known probably from Independence Day, is mm-hmm. uh, the first lady. And she's great in this movie. And, she is. And sure, she plays Jenny Bell, and uh, I think they are either recently divorced or separated. They're separated. They're separated, and... They have great chemistry in all the scenes yeah, that they're they in. Like, they do really seem like they've been together, and you can see that, like... She has really kind of tried to be this great support system for Pete, but she just can't live with him anymore because he's just insane. Yeah, he can't he can't talk outside of basketball. Like that's all he cares about. That's why I'm single. So that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so so he does go to her to kind of talk to her, and first thing she says is, "You should have crashed the boards." Should have crashed the boards. Like she's watching the game still. She's she's very interested in her, and it looks like she's living in a pretty nice house. Or. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess she's living in their house, mm-hmm. and and he's living in an apartment. Yeah. So so you know, so you know she's still living in this nice house, and uh, you know he comes in, takes a drink, and basically asks to stay the night. And she's like, "Absolutely not, you're going home." He's like, "We gotta watch some film." We gotta watch some film. She's like, "Nope, don't put that tape in. Don't put that tape in." So, but he's kind. She's kind of like the voice of reason mm-hmm. within Pete Bell, um, and she's kind of a reason everything kind of changes at the end. Uh, the every the whole the whole end sequence is basically because of her character. Yeah. 
Um, but um, what? Well, so that was you know I had to go back and talk. We, also, we skipped completely over Mary McDonald. We skipped over that and the Bob Cousy scene. No. Yes. So Bob Cousy is the athletic director of Western. He's shooting free throws. He's, he's shooting, talking. He's he says, shooting. Yeah. That's when he has the like. I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't moment. Yeah, yeah. And, you know. He's it, like, God, do you ever miss? Yeah, he's God, do you ever miss? Yeah, it was on. Uns- yeah, and he just, he just, uh, he just, he just makes free throws for like, you know, a three minute conversation with him. It's great. Uh, but Bob Cousy does not. You have a feeling that maybe Bob Cousy kind of knows that there's shady stuff, but he's like one of those guys who's just kind of turning, turning a blind eye to this. Yeah, later in the film, which I know we're going to talk about, like, the deals. Yeah, so. Because um, there's that montage scene, but. Yes. The, the Kuzi talks to me and goes, I want to know nothing. I want to know nothing. I want to like know his nothing. Big line. Yeah, he doesn't want to know anything, but he's kind of okay with it, I think. But he wants to know nothing. So it gets to a point where Pete Bell at this at this point in the movie has decided there's no way he's gonna probably be able to get these guys. Yeah, because there's a scene when Ricky goes into the office and he goes... So this is the big thing. So he brings all three of these guys to Western. Mm-hmm. And he brings them in, shows them their name in the lights, has them announced, throws them in some uh, you know, some uniforms, has them play against the team. They look incredible together, and everything looks great. Well, day later, after practice, Ricky walks in to Pete Bell's office with the other assistants. Do you know who his head assistant was, by the way, in the movie? I do, but I can't think of who else off my head. It's former Milwaukee Buck, Marcus Johnson. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's Marcus Johnson. That's his head assistant in the movie. I didn't know that for years. I didn't know that till last night. I was like, holy crap. I'm surprised I didn't know that. But anyways. So many basketball players. In this so many basketball players. We'll go over that later. But Because um, I got one for you that you're just going to be like, what? When I tell you who was in the movie. Calvert Chaney? No, no, no. Not even a basketball player. Oh, okay. Just someone else but anyways so ricky walks in and tells him he goes he goes a blue chip athlete like myself is worth a lot and what i want he goes i want a duffel bag he's like i want thirty thousand dollars in cash and you can put it in a duffel bag one of those nice nice little reebok bags, reebok you, got bags you got back there yeah pete bell tells him to get the hell out and get his take his uniform off he's done but that's when he comes to the realization these guys are not going to come for free. Except maybe Shaq. Might have been able to get Shaq for free. But we'll get to that. Hold on. So he goes to Happy. Or he goes he goes to he goes to Bob Cousy, tells him we need to do this, and Bob Cousy's like, I don't want to know anything. I don't want to know. So he goes to Happy's house. Playing tennis. This Who's nice playing tennis? You see, see some blonde walking up the steps. I mean, Happy's got it going on, man. So he goes there, and Happy basically, he's like, tell me how it works. And he goes, don't worry about it. He goes, we're going to be, he's like, we're going to make a lot of money. We're going to make a lot of money. We're This is going to be great. We're going to get back on top. So sure enough, the montage scene happens. Yep. So... All of a sudden, we see Butch McCray's mom working in the office. She got a house. She's got a she's got a dope office, though. Yeah, I mean, like, like, like it looked like a cor- It didn't even it didn't even look like like an assistant office. It looked like a corner office. Yep. Yeah, she's got a nice office. Then we see he goes. He gets Ricky Rowe. Ricky Rowe's dad walks outside, and there's a nice new tractor. John Deere. 
Yeah. Don't need that formal anymore. Sitting on a nice little pedestal. Oh, and he's just enamored by this thing. Like, I mean, like it, it's like he's just won the lottery. Yeah. The just the the look of sheer joy on that that man's face. Like he just he really plays it off. And then we have Neon who gets the set the nice car, but also is doing the thing where he's faking being stupid because remember he's in the tutoring scene. Yes. And so it's like he's he you know, so he was you know, like you said he probably is the one that's like. I'm here. Yeah, like, so so this guy with white hair and glasses and a mustache drops off. Was it a Lexus? Yeah, a brand new Lexus to Le- to Neon Bordeaux, who was sitting on a stoop in Louisiana with some guys, and he goes, "Here are your car keys, sir, Mister Bordeaux." And he goes, "I didn't ask for this." He goes, "I don't know nothing. I just drop them off," which is like the best line in the entire movie. Yes. I don't know nothing. <laughs> I just dropped them off. So. so- so at this point, it is set up that uh, Ed O'Neill starts getting like the pictures and stuff. So well, no, this is the, actually this is where the plot. This is where there's a little bit of a plot hole, Tim. This is where there's a little bit of plot <laughs> yeah. hole. This so, movie has a plot hole. No way. Yeah, it has a plot hole. So the way that he realizes that Ed O'Neill, Ed in the movie, has um, the, the the way he finds out. He suspects that they've 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 bought these players. He gets the faxed letter letters of intent from these from these you know from the three players. As a college basketball writer, that doesn't happen. No, no, I don't know where he got that. So he has them yeah. faxed over to him, and then, and then that's when they actually get the pictures. So, but here's the thing: these events have already happened. Yeah. You didn't find out that they were. You didn't get the hunch that he had bought the players till you got the letters of an intent. But there is somebody with a black and white camera with a picture of Leon, Neon Bordeaux taking those keys from that shady guy with white hair. So I don't know how that was done. That's something you gotta overlook. But you know, that's just that's just it's just a movie. You know, you got you got to kind of turn a blind eye sometimes. But that that was one thing that really stuck out to me. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. How did he get those pictures later on? He didn't, he wasn't even let on until you know. So somebody else must have been following him. Some other pe- other people who and, is just never mentioned at all. Well, and the thing is, <laughs> Neon, here's the other thing. Neon Bordeaux is not even like a prospect. Yeah. Like, no, no one he, knows about him. He found him playing in a shack in Louisiana. He had to take a boat to go see that guy. So it's like, why somebody surveilling Neon Bordeaux, Shaquille O'Neal? It just, that didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. But, you know, that was the 90s. Besides that, you know, there's no real, like, serious plot holes about the movie. So, when Ed starts suspecting the scandal, Pete continues to be contaminated by selfish demands from the players and a dirty association with the booster. His estranged wife, former guidance counselor, agrees to tutor Neon to get him into school. So, because that was the one thing, you, like you said, he couldn't get in because he messed up on his name. But we kind of have a feeling that he did that on purpose because he didn't really want to go anywhere. Yeah. And she does tutor him and he does get in. He fakes being stupid, basically. Yes. So, at this point in the movie, we've got the whole team assembled. We are ready to go. But. The scene. The scene happens. Butch McRae. The most heartbreaking scene in the whole movie. Comes in. And Penny Second. Hardaway. Penny Hardaway really, really does play this he does well. A really good he job does a here. really he plays just a just a sad little boy in this moment. But he walks into to Pete Bell's office and he says, I'm getting homesick. I want to go home. If I leave this school, does my mom get to keep her job? And do we get to keep does she get to keep the house? 
And he goes, I don't know. I don't know anything about that, Butch. Did you make some sort of arrangements? He tries to play stupid. And he's like, Coach, come on. Come on. So that's when he makes the call to Happy. Happy, of course, (laughs) is in a pool with some blonde. And he's like, there's no way you're getting out of this. Like, this isn't how this works. Like, we have spent money on this. We got this lady a job. And basically, Pete hangs up the phone. And he looks at Butch and he says, better be at practice tomorrow. He realizes he's kind of trapped. But at the same time. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's like your your mom just got a house and a job. And you're he's kind of the man of the house. Yeah. He's the man of the house. He so is. Really, I feel like Ricky probably should have been a little more responsible. Like, I'm like, dude, you want to go. So you want to go home because you're homesick. You think they're going to let you keep that? But then again, that's the moment of a dumb 18-year-old. Yeah. So so he plays that off very well. So they have to they, they get this team together and they're ready to to play. Oh, no. No, no we go. got yeah. a big scene. We, we got, got a big about. scene. Go ahead. I'm missing something here. So the Pete Bell show. The Pete Bell show. Which is like every coach has like a coach's show where they can yes. do like a radio program. Goes high fives the dolphin. Yeah, and he's having a great time. And he goes backstage and Ricky Rowe is there with Happy. Yes. And this is where it really starts Ricky to go Rose down. Is like getting his like jingling these keys, and he's like, "Where did you get those?" Yes. Finds out that Happy bought him a car, and he's like, "You leave right now." Yeah. Well, he says it's he says it's a loner. Yeah. It's a loner. He's loaning him a car. So this leads to the scene where, like, Pete gets right into Happy. He's like, "You were taking this too far," and he's like, "You know," he's, he's like, like "I don't want to. I don't want to see you near my players." Yeah. He's like, "This isn't the football." Well, this team. is this is and this is this is dangerous. Him yeah. hanging out with this because everybody – it's widely known by the media that Happy is a booster yeah. and a friend of the program. So you don't want him near this team. You don't, If he wants to operate in the shadows, fine. That's fine. Thank you for doing this. But you cannot sit there and – but, you know, Ricky Rose, man, he's he's cruising for ladies, man. So you know, he's exactly. going to want this car. So That's why the big thing is R- doing together for Ricky's girls. the one who keeps screwing up in this movie, man. Yes. Like Ricky's kind of a jerk. So Happy <laughs> brings up, as we mentioned earlier with Ed – the point shaving incident. Yeah, and he to said, which Pete he, says that's bullshit, and he says, "Go he back goes, and watch he goes, the tape." He goes, he goes, two years ago, I bought one of your boys, and he said, "There's no way." And he goes, "Go back and watch the tape." And sure enough, Marcus Johnson, Nick Nolte, the two other coaches start watching this game, and Tony has a great game. However, there are a bunch of boneheaded mistakes. There's a point where he throws the ball just to another person on the other team, and they're the watching it, yeah. and he realizes. That Happy has corrupted their program previously. Which is the other saddest scene in this film. Which is the other saddest scene in the film. So, cue Along the Watchtower awesome. by Jimmy, awesome. Jimi Hendrix. Not Bob Dylan. Jimi Hendrix. Runs into a dorm. Which doesn't make sense. Complete party party central. And, of course, the you know Tony is just in his room studying. And there's like yeah. this like party going on everywhere else. Walks in. Basically demands him, throws him up against the wall, roughs him up a little bit, yeah. and says, "He goes, did you ever shave points?" And he says, "No, coach, I would never do that. Why would I do something so stupid?" Then he pushes him again, and then he admits it. He says, "Just once, just and he's crying, once. and he's crying, and he's like, dude, I've tried to.' He's like, I've been like a father figure to you. I helped you with your, you know, I've helped you past TV. I've helped you when you got your girlfriend pregnant." He's like, I've been there for you. I can't believe you would do something like this. And Tony just breaks down crying. Also, Tony plays guitar. 
Mm-hmm. He's got a guitar in that dorm room. I noticed that. Wonder what kind of music Tony made. Yeah. Things that keep me up at night. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, the, the perfect, perfect placing of Jimi Hendrix along the watchtower. Yeah. Just as he's like running up the steps. I don't know. And... Now, see, that's one of those those songs that's in several movies, but I still think the best usage of that song ever is in Vegas Vacation when Clark Griswold decides he's going to take on Wallace Shawn, the worst, the, 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 the one poker dealer that he can't beat. And he goes, and it's him withdrawing this big thing of cash from an ATM machine to go and and outplay Wallace Shawn, who has basically taken every bit of money from Clark Griswold. That's the best use of that, but this is pretty good, too. Yes. Okay. But now... We find we have the game where they play Indiana. They play Indiana. So this is the other thing. So we didn't really talk. We talked about how great the basketball footage in this film is, but there are a bunch of players and coaches that are all over this. So the very first team they play is Texas Southern. Texas Southern. Rich Pitino is the coach. Rick, Rick Fox is on the team. Rick Fox is on the team. Exactly. And one of the swarmiest lines of the whole movie is from Rick Pitino during that game. What? No way. He goes, Nick Nick Nolte is going crazy going absolutely crazy on this referee. And he's like, that call was bullshit. And Rick Pitino says, he goes, great call. He goes, that's why you're a good official. <laughs> Which is so Pitino. <laughs> and it's, he does such a good job of acting, but also playing himself in that, that role, even while he's in the huddle coaching. And I was just like admiring his full head of hair that he yeah. had back then. But Man, what a what a guy. Rick Bettina, what a character, you man. Know, what has he ever done wrong? What has he ever done wrong? <laughs> that guy. That guy. But anyway, so um so they play Indiana in this in this now Bobby Hurley. Is it an Indiana jersey? <laughs> is it an Indiana jersey? What the I, hell? I wonder how much that hurt him. Dude, I bet that was weird. I bet it's that weird was for weird. Me. Yeah, it's weird. Calbertini, an Indiana player, yeah. is there. So he's there. But they threw Bobby Hurley on there just because I think people knew who he was at the time. And they, it's not like he plays a character. Like, but Dick Vitale is like Bobby Hurley and Calbertini, the big duo over Indiana. And you're like, huh? it's a very weird alternate reality, this yeah. movie. So, so Bobby Hurley is there. And they win the game, I believe. With a dunk at the end? Yep, Neon. Neon dunks the ball at the end. And is that the last game they play? Yeah, so that leads to the scene when everyone's celebrating. They're really happy they won. And this is like a you know pretty tough scene because it's... Well, here, but, but we got we to gotta, we gotta rewind it back slightly. We got to rewind it yeah. back slightly. So before the game... He has kind of reconciled with his wife. I keep we keep leaving out these wife scenes, well, Tim. Yeah, because remember she was like when she started realizing he was cheating. Well, she saw so she saw Happy. Yeah. At the at the coach's show. She at at the at the show, and she goes up to talk to Marcus Johnson, and she he's like, "Hey, you want to go out for some 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 beer and wings afterwards?" And she's like, "No," and he's like, "She's like he's like come on," and she's like, "Okay." And then she sees Happy, and she realizes what's going on at this point. So at this point, she's like, oh, my God, Pete Bell has been bought. Yep. So they go out to dinner at the sport, the one sports bar he keeps going to, the one that he met Slick at, the one he talked to Bob Cousy at. They just keep going back to this sports bar like it's the only place to eat in town. And she asks him right there on the spot have you cheated and he says no i swear to god i haven't mm-hmm. 
but he lies. Oh, yes, he does. He lies so hard. He lies like he's Rick Pitino. <laughs> this is really about a movie. This is about a, a about a man who becomes Rick Pitino. <laughs> just shortly, just getting shorter and shorter. His hair's getting darker. So at he this point, sports. so during during the basketball game, Pete Bell is having a moral crisis, and he, he can hear his wife talking to him. He can hear Happy talking to him, and he's decided what he has done is wrong, and he is going to be exposed. And he knows he's going to be exposed. Everyone's seen him with Happy. So then, cut to the press conference. Ooh, hold on. Oh, hold on, hold on. I missed a spot. Mini rewind. Mini rewind. So after they win the game against Indiana, they go to the locker room. Everyone's celebrating. Yeah. And that's when he goes, so guys, he's like... Tomorrow, I'll meet with each of you individually, discuss your futures. He's just with the team, yeah, because he he basically says this is he knows he he doesn't like to win this way. Yeah, and he like says he like he's like I love you all very much. Leaves the room, and that's when Neon comes out. He goes, Coach, what did you think of my dunk? And he goes, Yeah, what did you think of my spin move? He goes, and he goes, You did real real good tonight, Neon. And he goes, Thanks, Coach. In true Shaquille O'Neal fashion, what a charming guy Shaq is. Yeah. And and was back then. Like, that smile, man. Like, I mean, he could light up a room, man. He yeah, was it's just. Like, it's almost like he was going to get his own Kung Fu video game a couple years later. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, Shaq became, after this movie, he became such a such a superstar. Yeah, man. And he's he's good in this. Th- he has a kind of a small role in this movie, really. I know yeah. they really banked on him at the, you know, with the with the cover art for the film and the movie poster. They throw him on there with, you know, he's one of the top billed actors in the film. Yeah, he is. So, but he's not really in that much of the movie. So that leads to the presser, which you and I know as college basketball reporters. Yes, but however, the the press rooms that I have been to don't have school desks in them. Don't have school desks in them, and they're not quite as populated as the one is this one because we're we're saying this is like the school of all schools, like a this yeah. is like a UK or a, a Duke. Yeah. Um, so he does the opening statement. I'm really proud of my boys. We played great. You know, Indiana's a really good team. Blah blah blah. And that's when Ed says, "Coach, can you confirm the story? You guys gave Neon Bordeaux a car." And that's when he's like, he's like. No, he's like he's like we yeah what we give him. He goes happy. What do we give? He's like we want we give someone a tractor, and he like is listing them off. And happy's like thinking like ha 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 yeah you're pushing it too far. And yeah, yeah. And then and then he just kind of goes completely out and says he's like yeah we did all this we cheated and happy like has his like you son of a bitch you're done I'm through with you like yeah so so at the press conference we call this SMU in the college business guys. Yes, yes. So at, at the press conference, like you said, he confesses to the entire scandal and then eventually at the very end says, I quit. And every, which is like an audible gasp, which, including from, from Mary McDonald, who is, who is shocked. Which, as we know in this business, that when the pl- coach quits, does mean the players aren't going to be punished. That's right. Yeah. So That's right. He kind of really hindsight. He left his dudes high and dry. He did leave him high and dry, but he knew he was. He knew everything was over with. Yeah. He knew it was over with, so he went ahead and resigned. And you know, all those players could go their separate ways. And so. then the ending scene that makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. So when he leaves the press conference in the arena, Pete walks past walks the, home. Walks home. He walks out like, and and it's, it's funny. There's nobody outside after the press conference. Like there's yeah. nobody out there. Like party's over. After they won that big game. Like it's Indiana. You know, yeah, like, yeah, Bobby sure. Knight, Indiana. Yeah, that. sure. Also, Bobby Knight is the coach of Indiana, obviously, in this. And he plays this part 
completely straight. Dude, what's so funny is when you look at the timeline of this, this is like when all that stuff started coming out about him being like a total, like, I mean, we already knew about yeah. the chairs and stuff. Like, yeah. This is like when things started going downhill for Indiana is like this time frame. Yeah, yeah. So, so. He must have got knocked out Bobby Hurley. <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> so he leaves the press conference, and while Pete is walking home, he walks past a small playground with kids playing basketball. He approaches and then starts coaching this, this, which is kind of a sweet little moment at the end of the movie. And he starts, he's trying to show this kid how to not do a set shot. Where are these kids' parents? It's like 1030. Man, it's fine. Yeah, but they're all, they're all, they're not, they're not selling drugs or doing anything wrong. They're playing the game of basketball. It was... And you know what I thought when he walks out and he approaches that, I just thought to myself, I was like, this is where we needed Spike Lee right here or or Spike. Yeah, because I feel like he would be able to direct like it felt like a scene that should have been in He Got Game. Yes. Like it just feels like that. And it's not so. But so an epilogue later reveals that the university would be suspended from tournament play for three years. Pete did continue to coach, but at the high school level, Tony graduated and ends up playing pro ball in Europe. Ricky Rowe gets injured and returns home to run the family farm. Poor bastard. And Neon and Butch drop out of college, but they now both play in the NBA. Hmm. 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 So. That's blue chips. That's blue chips. That's the whole plot of blue chips. Let's talk. Let's talk fun facts. There's a lot of them for this movie. There's so many. So many. Let's let's get through some of them. So, like we said, Nick Nolte shadowed Bobby Knight for a bunch of games in 1992 to research the role. Obviously, Knight does appear in the film as himself, but has no scripted lines. Nope. He just he just coaches in it. He's Bobby Knight. So we already talked about the Converse Court. We got that off there. So. Uh, Blue Chips, obviously. A lot of famous players and coaches. Uh, Rick Pitino, Matt Painter, Jim Boehm. Rick Fox. Rick Fox, of course, Basketball Hall of Famer. And uh, President Trump uh, <laughs> Medal Award winner Bob Cousy. <laughs> and uh, and this is this, the, the most interesting – one of the most interesting facts about this is a true story. And and how this, this, this movie – Keith Smart's in this movie. Keith Smart is in this movie. I did not know that. Yeah. But the thing that's the most interesting about this movie is the mid-90s Orlando Magic would have never happened without this team. Exactly. So this is explained quite a bit in the ESPN 30 for 30, This Magic Moment. Yeah. Where Penny Hardaway was like, Shaq's my guy. I'm going to play with Shaq. Yeah. And Shaq was, and he's like, so the director, um, sorry, William Fred Fredkin. Yes. Who... Has done a lot of movies, including The Exorcist. Yes, one of one of probably the greatest horror movie of all time. Yes, he has also like eighty six wives. Yes, um, <laughs> let them play. Just let them play. And at the time, the Magic had the number one pick for the second year in a row after they got Shaq, and everyone thought it was gonna be Chris Webber because he was the best player in the world at the time. Yep. Yeah. So, Penny, but was they play like, they play a similar game though, Shaq and and Chris Webber. So Penny. Uses this film to say, I'm going to show him why they should draft me. Yes. And sure enough, they draft Chris Webber and trade for Penny. And trade for Penny. Now, that was a huge... I mean, I mean the when when they announced the trade, I mean, Orlando went nuts. They're like, are you serious? Yeah. We were going to have the two best big men, but he really did. Like, Shaq went to the team and said he wanted to play with them. He was and pissed when they took Webber. He was pissed. He's like, "This is this, how are they going to disrespect me like this? 
And sure enough, they, and it was it was it was a great deal. Yeah, it was a fantastic deal. And the thing that's what really made it fantastic is Chris Webber only played what one and a half years at Golden State. Yeah, like because he hated it there. He got he asked for a trade. Asked for a trade, and he got out of there. Went to Washington to play with Juwan Howard. So, it's uh, it you know it's kind of it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird thing to say that a movie basically made the 1990s Orlando Magic, but that is 100% true. The other thing, so Michael Rappaport is a producer on this film. Which is so weird to me. The same time he was doing White Men Can't Jump, he was writing this script. That's crazy. Yeah. So he took scenes from White Man Can't Jump and put them in this movie. So the scene when they they meet Shaq, that scene was originally set to be in Compton, California. White Man Can't Jump. Yes, yes, yes. So this was so we talked about this is William Friedkin's this is a William Friedkin movie. This is the same man who made the same legendary director who made The Exorcist, which is widely considered to be the what, horror film. One one of the greatest horror films, if not the greatest horror film of all time. I mean it's up there. It's probably top five for me. And I'm not gonna say it's five. So it's it's it it holds up. If you haven't seen The Exorcist and you're into scary movies, you just need to go ahead and watch that. I mean, I'm I'm assuming you have, but if you haven't, go ahead and do it. It's great. But this was Friedkin's first film for Paramount Pictures since 1977's Sorcerer, the production of which had had strained his relationship with the studio for years. His next three films would be released by Paramount. Some attributed this to his relationship with the head of Paramount's Sherry Lansing. Al Hoffman was the stand-in for Mr. Nolte, Nick Nolte, for the Chicago and Indiana locations, which is very strange to me. It was shot in three different spots, yeah. Three different spots, yes. So, um, and you know there wouldn't be a, bas- a Hope Cinema without a Tim Daniel sneaker reference. Go ahead. The last time you saw Penny Hardaway wear a Reeboks. Yes. Because they all wear Shaq shoes. They all, they all, yeah, those are all the Shaqs, aren't they? Yeah. The ones that they're wearing through that film. That's what I thought, but I wasn't quite sure. Um. So, this is an interesting fact. The crew, including Shaq, actually stayed at a Howard Johnson's in Indiana for two weeks during filming. <laughs> Weird. Like, couldn't they couldn't put him up anywhere else. This was one of J.T. Walsh's last films, uh, Happy, uh, who was also, he shot Pleasantville, I think, a year later after this. Uh, actually passed away pretty much like a year after this. Yeah. Um, so, but he had two big roles in the nineties where, I mean, he was just, I mean, those two movies, those two roles were just phenomenal for them. Um, soundtrack's not very, I mean, we, we, we talked about it. It's, I love got, it. it's, it's, it's not an actual release soundtrack, I believe. Right. Um, but you know, you do have along the watchtower, you have, um, fortunate son, fortunate son, you know, so, and if anyone's into a, a nice classic rock, which is weird because '90s basketball movies did like never had that like. No, well, I mean, it was it was a different kind of it was a different kind of movie. It was a collegiate basketball film. It wasn't an NBA film or a streetball film or, or an artist film. Let's see what else was on there. Money, that's what I want, was in the movie. Um, let's see here. Uh, Looking out my back door by John Fogerty. Yep. Baby, please don't go by Big Joe Williams. Shake your hips by James Moore. Um, Let's stay together by Al Green. Yeah, it is. That's in, the, in uh, there. I remember. That. Actually, I don't. I don't think they played. They didn't play Fortunate Son in that. I think we're just remembering that wrong. I think. I think it was. Yeah, it was looking, looking at, at my looking back, back door. door. Now that was when he went and saw Larry Bird. Clearwater. 
That's what it was. Yeah. That was it. Okay. Okay. Well, anyways, solid soundtrack. It's not been released um, at all. <laughs> so it's one of those ones that they paid for the money for the music, but they weren't actually going to press it to a CD or a cassette at the time. So, so um, this film uh, is kind of a critical flop. Yep. Um, a lot of a lot of uh, the reception of it was pretty terrible. Um, you know, they said that the <laughs> there was a there was a. Ooh, there was a movie critic from the Washington Post who said that the film's purpose was to expose the corruption behind the scenes of a so-called amateur athletics that had transformed the sport into a desperate money grab. But like the program, this strident, unconvincing bit of movie uses national sports mania to decoy us into sitting through a dreary lecture about ethics and moral corner cutting. (laughs) Like, but I don't feel that way about it at all. Like, I think I think it's a I think it's a great uh, a great movie. But here's another fun fact: Shaquille O'Neal nominated for a Razzie Award for this movie for worst new star. I thought it was for Kazam. No, no, he got one for this. Oh Not, shit! He got nominated for it. I, and, yeah, he lost to someone like pretty decently well known. I think. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Friedkin later admitted that the film was weak at the box office. He said it's hard to capture in a sports film the excitement of a real game with its own unpredictable dramatic structure and suspense. I couldn't overcome that. So here's my case of why I think this is a good movie. So like, well, you don't you don't have to make a case with me. No, 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 no. I know, but like, (laughs) so I'll say this before we get to our our final like review. Sure. I feel like if Blue Chips came out now. It would like obviously it'd be different because college basketball recruiting is insane now with the, the internet. But if you came out and did like a modern version of Blue Chips, it's gonna work. Oh yeah, you, you could know what I mean? you, like, you could remake Blue Chips. I saw this kid on YouTube and he did this dunk and no one knows about him yet. He doesn't have any offers. Like exactly that happens. Exactly, exactly. Here's the, the the number one point guard in the country. He's got he's in Chicago. It's a tough place to play basketball. Like yeah. So we talked about a lot of the players that we saw in the movie. Mm-hmm. A lot of real players. Alan Houston's in this movie. Yep. Uh, Rick Fox, obviously. Um, Rick Fox has been two of our three movies we've done. That. Two, of the, I know. He was just all over the place in the '90s. Um, Dick so Vitale shows up, obviously, but I also wanted, in two of the three movies we've talked about. Also in two of the three movies, but I want to go ahead and give you the. Shaq's also in. He got game for a second. Yeah, he is. Yeah, very briefly, very briefly, but. The number one weirdest person that is in this movie that I did not know was in this movie until last night is uncredited as one of the basketball players on one of the other teams is the evil warden himself and Jesus Christ himself, Jim Caviezel. Really? He is in this movie. He plays a basketball player. Huh. Isn't that crazy? That is. I thought that was probably the funnest fact I could throw at you today. Yeah. But yeah, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus plays. Man, Jesus does walk. So what's your final review of this movie? If we're talking, um, uh, you know, not just basketball movie, but but real movie. I give it a four out of five. Give it a four out of five? I'm going to go with that as well. Because I live in the world that Ed. Yes. Portrays. Yes, yes. So. 
Well, I think I think it's a it's a solid basketball movie. If you guys have not seen Blue Chips, now's the time. Uh, now is the time. It is available. Uh, if you're if you're a stickler for physical media, it has been released on DVD, but not Blu-ray. Weird. But it is currently, you know, in these weird days of streaming where movies come and go, it is currently as of Thanksgiving on Stars uh, streaming in 1080p. I will say this: the surround sound of blue chips is phenomenal yes it is because in the back channel during the the games all of the announcements that are made over the pa are in the back channels on this on this which i noticed last night when i was very impressed by that so but if you want to check it out it is on stars but uh i think that will wrap up our latest edition what's the next movie sean of blue chips well do we want to do we want to go ahead and say yeah because i picked Two of the first three, and the fans picked the other one on a very lopsided Twitter poll. So, so this is me this time. Yeah. Our next one is definitely going to be Celtic Pride. Celtic Pride. Celtic Pride, starring one of my favorite actors of all time, Dan Aykroyd. Yes, we have a Ghostbuster, we have a Wet Bandit, and we have basketball. We have Blank Man. (laughs) 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 So that'll be our next one. You guys have a fantastic Thanksgiving. Thank you for listening to us. And uh, we'll be back next month with another uh, Hoop Cinema. Um, Have a great day. See ya. We got a job to do. We got a job. Now, goddammit, we're not going out there to make a good show or just put up a good fight. We're going out there to beat the best goddamn team in the country right now. Now, let me tell you something, boys. You may not know this, but I know it. I've been there before. There is the talent in this room to do just that, to beat Indiana.